0: Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good
1: News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on life-changing talk radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Well, folks, um, you've all heard about this, but just a few short weeks ago, One Heart DC launched with Afghans, an initiative that empowers local churches and individuals help newly arriving Afghan refugees. And I would gather, because I've never had to resettle, um, although I did move from D.C. to Charlotte, I guess that's resettling, but it's not the same. Resettlement doesn't look the same for everybody. It will take time for our Afghan brothers and sisters, our Afghan friends, to transition to a new culture, a new life, indeed, a new language. Well, Lutheran Social Services has been serving refugees in the national capital area for over a hundred years. Man, that's a long time. They are a partner of One Art DC in this effort and that's fantastic because we are all partners with One Art DC in this. Today they join us with an update on the situation and a look at the road ahead and of course we want to talk about that and here to get us started to introduce our guest for the day is my good friend my co host of Good News for the City. Um, Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church. Dude, good to see you, my brother. God bless you, man.
2: You know, uh, we say this all the time. I don't know how many shows we've done now, but any time that we have the opportunity to get together and to talk about what it looks like to live out the good news of Jesus Christ, hey, it's man. a good day. It's a good yeah, day.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I hope
2: in our prayer, as uh, we're going to talk about again today, for longtime listeners, you just referred to it just a couple weeks ago, we talked about the With Afghans Initiative, uh, working with making a difference with partnerships also in the lives of so many who've come here from Afghanistan. And we're we're going to talk about that again today. And so, you know, I I just continue to be burdened. I think so many others continue to be burdened uh, with this, the overwhelming opportunity, but also the overwhelming challenge uh, that lies before us as people are going through challenging, difficult situations and hardships. And Jesus has called us. In fact, he said all the laws and prophets hang on these two things. to Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind. And Love your neighbors yourself. And so he's called us to love our neighbors, whether our neighbors are actually our next door neighbors in the physical location we live or neighbors that are coming from a completely different part of the world. Uh, If you go back to that second scripture, Dennis, I know you know it. They tried to find a loophole, right? He said, well, who is my neighbor? Uh, Well, let's just say this, that the Afghans coming here are our neighbors. And uh, we are yes. called uh, yes. Yes. to love them in very specific, tangible way. Just not in a heart emotion, but in action, because you know it'll we'll know we're Christians by our love. And when we say Amen. that, it's by what we do Amen. in so many ways. And so, to join us today, I want to tell you about Kristen Peck. She joined Lutheran Social Services team in November 2020. She's their CEO. She has expertise in child welfare administration and reform, immigration and refugee policy, and human services administration. Prior to joining Lutheran Social Services, she served as the founding CEO of West Michigan Partnership for Children. It was a nonprofit piloting an innovative performance-based child welfare model, where in 2020, she was the recipient of the Federa- of Michigan Federation of Children and Families Advocate of the Year Award. She also served as Associate Director of Children's Services at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, where she oversaw national family unification and foster care programs for unaccompanied children. She served as the chair of Vulnerable Minors Working Group of the Refugee Council USA, and she testified to Congress on the protection needs for unaccompanied children. And represented the USCCB as a subject matter expert on unaccompanied children uh, at annual consultation meetings in Geneva. Let's just say she has a lot of experience, and we're 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 glad to have you here on the show, Kristen. Thanks for being here and being a part. And welcome back, Mary Gardner. Uh, Mary Gardner is an ordained Anakin priest, and she works as the director of the With Anne's Afghans Initiative with One Heart DC. I could say a lot more about her bio, but check back a few weeks before this podcast, click on the With Afghans Initiative show we did there, and it'll give you more information about her. We just want to jump into the subjects today. So thanks again, Mary, for being back. Kristen, thanks for joining us. Kristen, I want to start with you, if I can. Uh, how long has, uh, as you said, been here? Over 100 years. They've been here in the National Capital area. How did, with someone who's been around that long, how did National, rather Lutheran Social Services, get its start?
3: Thanks so much for having us on the show today. We really appreciate it. I'm I'm really grateful to be able to talk about our mission and our work to welcome Afghan allies. LSSNCA has been serving the DC metro area, as you mentioned, for more than 100 years. We were um, originated by seven Lutheran congregations in 1917. And been a resilient organization that has evolved to meet the changing needs of the DC metro area. So we started, um, soon after we started, we began serving people who were impacted by the Great Depression. And we opened our doors to serve refugees right after World War II. And so we've been serving refugees and other persons who are displaced from their home countries due to violence or persecution um, for uh, 75 years or so.
2: And so when it comes to the refugee crisis that we see in Afghan, Afghanistan with Afghans coming, this isn't the only refugees, obviously, that are coming to the United States that find themselves in difficulty and challenge. This is just the one that I think currently is probably at the forefront of many people's minds due to all the things that have been happening in Afghanistan, but not just Afghani refugees, but refugees as a whole. How many refugees would you typically see come through your program in a year or two?
3: That's that's a great question and a good point. We've evolved to meet the needs of the different refugee populations that have come to our country over the years. In 2016, which was our record year for serving Mm -hmm. refugees, we served 1,625 refugees. Wow! And then um, in 2017, 18, and 19, we served um, about 500 to 550 refugees each year. So Mm. our program was was um, significantly decreased during the, the previous administration due to the different policies on refugees. Um, but those years, the, the 500, 550 or so were mostly um, 98% were Afghan SID holders. So those are Afghans that arrive with a special immigrant visa. And that visa is granted to persons who served alongside U.S. missions um, and and so so we've been, we've been serving Afghans for quite a while, um, although we've certainly significantly increased the scale of our operations and the number of people we've served in recent months.
2: Now I want to go back to something you just mentioned there called SIV holders, and thank you for uh, explaining that a little bit. But there's even a whole lot of misunderstanding around language of just what a refugee is and what a refugee is not. I've joked about this many times on the on the show how we even use same words sometimes, and we mean different things. And there's a technical definition for what a refugee is. And I use that illustration to talk about my wife and I, I say clean, and I mean, organized, she says clean, and she means sanitized, right? Same word, different definitions, but It's real important for our discussion that we're all working from the same sort of sheet of music in the definition. So would you define refugee for our listeners who maybe haven't heard one of our shows before what a refugee technically is, and then make the difference between the SIV holder, and then there's this other category called paroled persons?
3: That's a great question. So the the refugee definition is someone who is fleeing violence or persecution um, based on their membership. Um, in a particular social group, based on their religion, um, based on um, uh, their political beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so so these are people who um, are facing persecution by their government and are forced to flee because of their beliefs, because of who they are. Um, A special immigrant visa holder, this is a population that served through the U.S. refugee program. Mm
4: -hmm. But
3: these are people who um, are are provided protection and immigration relief because they worked alongside the United States missions in Afghanistan. It's also a status that's um, provided to Iraqis. Um, So it's it's a status that was created to ensure people that are working alongside U.S. missions as interpreters, as translators, as drivers, um, many other roles. Um, And therefore, they're at risk by their governments and by Mm -hmm. the or by terrorist groups for their affiliation with the U.S. So it's a way for the U.S. government to provide those individuals protection mm-hmm. um, and safety in the United States.
2: Yeah. Now, what is the difference between that then? And again, thank you for clarifying that, because I think there's, there's two quick things. One is that um, we talk about people coming in and immigration and immigration could be lots of reasons. One just me. I want to find a better place or a better thing, a, a way of living. This specifically is about dealing with oppression and persecution. This is something uh, that is a, uh, maybe some overlap that people want to find a better way of living, but the cause for that isn't simply that. They're oppressed and they're persecuted. And then you told us a special uh, immigration visa. Really appreciate that because there's a lot of discussion out there around so many people who while we were in Afghanistan for 20 years, gave of themselves to help the mission that was there and now find themselves in jeopardy. But there's also this uh, category that I was reading here in my notes about paroled persons. What is, what is that category?
3: That's a great question. So due to the chaotic nature of the withdrawal from Afghanistan and the need to get Afghans and US citizens um, out as quickly as possible, um, some of the Afghans that are arriving do not have the special immigrant visa status yet. It it might be, Um, they may be persons who um, worked for the same employer. They may have worked for a a U.S. government contractor, for example, or the Department of Defense, and they may have worked alongside um, U.S. missions, but perhaps their special immigrant visa wasn't started yet. Right. I I
2: think all of us have experienced some sort of paperwork with the U.S. government at some point. So we can we can understand that. But it's the same basic concept of they are coming because of oppression and persecution. This isn't I'm just coming because this is an opportunity to have a better lifestyle,
3: in my opinion. That's right. So it's so the people who are receiving humanitarian parole, humanitarian parole was a mechanism to Mm -hmm. get people safely out quickly that for whom they didn't have the time to process the paperwork, essentially.
2: Oh, wonderful. Now, Mary, I want to turn to you for a second. We've talked to you about uh, you running the initiatives with Afghans with One Heart DC. How is that initiative with Afghans then partnering uh, with Lutheran Social Services? I'm having a hard time saying that today. I never thought it was a tongue twister, but apparently I need to work on it off. Mike, how are they partnering with Lutheran Social Services and this initiative?
4: We say LSS for short. Uh, thank you. Um, just you you've given me easy. grace to make it easier <laughs> for me. Yeah, we we want to walk alongside uh, resettlement organizations like LSS, like Catholic Charities, like like Ethiopian um, Community Development Council, there are others, there's nine resettlement agencies in the US, but these are the ones that are resettling in the DC metro area and we wanna support them. We want to give them what they need to do their job well. They're the experts, they know how to resettle people. And so we wanna provide them um, with with monies, with uh, material goods, and what they need. I think a lot of time churches get very eager about um, how can we help, what can we do, which is great. And I wanna say to any church listening, hold on to that, pray, pray is the most vital work um, that you can do right now, but give these organizations what they need, not what you want to give them right now. Um, Because again, they're the experts Um, and, and LSS and other agencies do wanna partner with churches Mm-hmm. Um, they do want that support. So we look at their website and say, gosh, what do they need this week? And, you know, they have a list every week on their website of, of um, donations that they need places you can drop that off. Um, so those are just a couple of examples.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now, Kristen, um, what else involved? I think, uh, you know, we, we hear the word resettlement and we understand the word at a very high level, but certainly for the average person listening, myself included, we hear that word, but we don't, we don't know the significance behind all the things that involved. Uh, and how does LSS, and thank you for the freedom to say it that way, by the way, Mary fit into this, uh, even this, this idea, I'm told of sort of a three-legged stool.
3: Great question. So the, I'm going to talk about what resettlement looks like for yes. SIV holders and for mm-hmm. refugees. And then I'm going to talk about what we're seeing with the paroled individuals. Right. So The typical refugee assistance program um, is funded by the U.S. Department of State. That's one of the legs on the stool. Um, the Office of Refugee Resettlement, that's the second leg. Mm-hmm. And then the third leg is really the community support, the congregations that step up and do the great work of setting up homes for people that we're serving, the congregations that are bringing in-kind donations to our office every day. So, that each of those legs are critical for the stability of the program as a whole. The State Department provides each resettlement agency per um, individual that they resettle um, a stipend of $1,225 to serve that person for 90 days. It's a one time Mm -hmm. stipend, and we have to, um, the resettlement agencies have to really budget very carefully because that's for everything that's for rent, that's for food. That's for all the basic needs that you can think of. And so and to put that
2: into perspective, these people are coming with nothing already. So it's not like they're coming with a bunch of uh, you know, clothes or a bunch of furniture or even a bunch of money in a bank account. And they're given $1,225 to sort of establish a life in 90 days. I think anyone listening to this right now, no matter where they fall on that socioeconomic scale, realizes that is a monumental task having to be done with very little resources.
3: You're exactly right. So many times we'll see refugees who may have lived in a refugee camp for years, sometimes generations. And so they're, they're arriving with nothing but the clothes they have on their back. Certainly the flow we're seeing right now from Afghanistan, many fled um, fled their homes, had um, left for the airport, and they're arriving here with the same clothes that they wore when they left for the airport, and that's all they have with them. So so that's why the other two lines are really critical. The Services and benefits from the Office of Refugee Resettlement help supplement those 90 days of services from the State Department. And services from the Office of Refugee Resettlement and and benefits include refugee medical assistance, which is like Medicaid, so it's it's healthcare. They include cash assistance, and they include employment assistance and some Mm -hmm. cash associated with with finding um, jobs and job placements. And so resettlement agencies are able to use these two main sources of funds and some other state and local funds to provide services to our clients, but we also need the support of the community. Now, how this looks different right now, um, LSS NCA has served in the past um, two months. Of the almost 800 Afghans we've served, mm-hmm. um, about 550 have been people with parole status.
2: Yeah, let's let's pause that to go back just for a second. A minute. You mentioned that just a couple of years ago, due to just change of size, you had 500 in a year. 500, and some, you've had 800 and some in two months. Right. So you, there's some volume there uh, that, that I just want our listeners to catch about just how many people in comparison to previous years have been coming in right here into the Washington metro area. I, I meant I meant to interrupt you, but not hijack you when you said that. I just wanted to make that connection. Talk about now what you're saying parole services.
3: Yeah, just to reiterate that point, we've served um, about half the people we served in our record year, our highest year four years ago in two months. Mm -hmm. Put differently, we've served more people in two months than we served um, the whole year over the last three years. So this is a significant upscaling for our organization. What I was mentioning earlier about the people who are arriving with parole status, they are currently, depending on what happens with the continuing resolution, they're currently not eligible for the Office of Refugee Resettlement benefits, mm-hmm. and so we monetize those benefits um, at plus um, some rental assistance at uh, roughly uh, thirteen thousand nine hundred per month. Okay, and so that is our fundraising gap that we have right now for the people who are, who are here with that parole status because they're not eligible for those benefits from the Office of Refugee Resettlement. And so there is work being done to try and address that. But in the meantime, I can give you an example of what that looks like. Sure. Um, So when we first started seeing people arrive with this parole status, one of the first groups we served was a group of 12 people. And these 12 people arrived as individuals. They were all parts of families back home. But when they left for the airport and they got to Kabul and they got to the airport, everything was so chaotic. They got on the plane and they, their families weren't there with them. Mm. So they came to our office. They've been in the U.S. for six days. They've been staying in the backyard of a, of a community member in a tent. They found out about LSSNCA and they came to our doors. They were wearing the same clothes they had on their back um, when they left their homes for the airport. Um, and so they needed showers They needed clothing. We worked, um, and this is where the the importance of community partnerships is so critical. We worked with the Jewish community center across the road and they have showers. And so they're able to shower. We worked with um, Afghan uh, uh, food providers to provide um, food. Um, But one of the critical needs is medical. And because they weren't eligible for refugee medical assistance, that's something we have to pay out of pocket.
2: Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a significant funding gap and you, you've lost, I mean, not lost, you've listed many opportunities all there. Mary, maybe this is a better question for you. Kristen, maybe a better question for you. You know, what are some of the, you've mentioned some of the greatest needs, uh, healthcare, um, and and those things when it comes to sponsoring a family or fostering minor children, is there need in there that people thinking, okay, that I can be involved that way?
3: Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Um, So ways to get involved. Um, We are recruiting foster parents. We are expecting unaccompanied refugee children from this this flow. So um, there's information on how to become a foster parent on our website. We just had an orientation last night. We have them regularly. Um, And other ways to be involved. Gift cards are really helpful for us. It helps us um, kind of fill that gap between not being able to provide families with that refugee cash assistance Mm -hmm. that they would get if they had those ORR benefits. And it also gives clients voice and choice over items that they're able to select. They've had their ability to make choices stripped of them. They had to flee their countries. People don't want to leave their countries, but they had to leave their country because they were in danger. And this allows gift cards allows families to make that meal that's comforting to restore some sense of normalcy in a very yeah. and
2: imagine even a sense of dignity when you find yourself maybe you've been well employed maybe your life is going well it's all completely turned around now and, and you're you're in this moment where you're receiving at a level that is definitely needed but probably uncomfortable in in a lot of their lives restoring that now uh, Mary when we talk about the with Afghans initiative. Uh, You can find out more about it by going to oneheartdc.org forward slash Afghans. That's plural. You can also find out more about uh, Lutheran, Lutheran, can't say it, social services. I'm not sure what my problem is uh, at www.lssnca.org. That's lssnca.org. All of that there. Um, What would you suggest, Mary, as, as you're listening and you've been in, how listeners should get involved?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. So, I would say prayer is the most important thing. Pray and ask God for wisdom and help. Pray and discern where you can get involved. Check our website regularly. We link to some of the resettlement agencies and to pages um, and their needs, which they update regularly. Um, A lot of people wanna get involved relationally and that's great, but unless you speak the language, you're not able to do that. So I would say, think about teaching ESOL, think about legal aid, getting trained to do those sorts of things. One Heart DC's with Afghans, we're offering some trauma awareness training. We're offering other types of training. So sign up on our website to get involved and um, see those training opportunities. So we encourage churches not to think of the moment, but to think long-term because it's going to take a long time for these families to get resettled and and thriving.
2: In our last conversation, Mary, I remember us having this this point that lots of people come immediately to the rescue. Maybe in a good example is when someone has a loved one that passes away. And so for the first four weeks or six weeks, there's a lot of people there, but then often what happens that trails off, but the, the needs don't trail off after four to six weeks. And so keeping uh, the necessity of what it means for the church, the people of God, to come around uh, those who were called to love and to live out the good news of the gospel, the show's about, Good News City is, is there over and over again. And so, Kristen, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I know we're going to have you back to talk about more. Mary, thanks for joining us today. And Dennis, again, we just find ourselves challenged of what it means to live it out in the gospel and the opportunity we have right here uh, as the world and Afghanistan refugees and others come right here to Washington, D.C. area.
1: And I know that you, Kristen, Mary, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for this information. My my jaw almost dropped a couple times and my eyes have been opened in ways that they were not before. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God has used both of you for that. Folks, um, gosh, there's a lot of need out there and our and our friends, our Afghan friends need our help. So please go to goodnewsforthecity.com. You can listen to this again. If you need more information, you can always call me at the station 703-807-2266. But let me give it to you one more time. OneHeartDC.org forward slash Afghans. That's OneHeartDC.org forward slash Afghans or LSSNCA.org, LSSNCA.org. Um, Get in touch. God bless you both. Thank you so much for everything. And remember, folks, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's
0: the gospel, the
1: gospel that makes a way.
0: Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart D.C. This is a partnership movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.